You're about to enjoy this replay of the Sons of UCF Live brought to you by Dariga, matching your company with the right talent. Today, I want to talk more about Dariga, a company that's revolutionizing the way businesses tackle one of their most critical challenges, finding the right talent. Dariga stands out for the groundbreaking approach to recruitment, which is really more like matchmaking. They also have deep-rooted ties to UCF. Ray Bazzi, their founder, is a UCF alum who actually started the company based on a class project during his MBA program. Also, their commitment to UCF runs deep. 95% of their employees are UCF graduates. Many companies turn to Dariga, and you should too. To find out more, go to nightrecruiting.com. That's night with a K to learn more about Dariga. Dariga, matching your company with the right talent. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Strogel, joined by Adam Eaton. Welcome in to Sons of UCF Live. Adam, how's your week going? Trey, so far so good. Opening night for softball, already a win under our belts, uh, already in game two here. Down early, but I think we can rally, but a lot to talk about. We got football, we got basketball, and Trace, something completely <laughs> new for the audience tonight. So stay tuned to the end of the show. I don't know what's going to happen. That's literally true. We don't know what's going to happen at the end of the show. Hey, uh, happy uh, National Signing uh, Day. That was a dud, wasn't it? No, no, Mm. no players. Remember when that was the biggest thing in the world and fax machines were humming at 7 a.m. in football offices all across the country? No high school students inked. On National Signing Day. Something's got to give in this calendar, right? You can't have that early signing day uh, coinciding with the bowl preparation and everything else that's going on there uh, in the month of December. Yeah, look, I think at some point, uh, powers that be have to get together and figure out the calendar. Gus was asked that in the presser this week about the calendar, and he, he made mention that people are talking about it. I think the underlying current, and we don't have time on the show for this right now, but is the transfer portal has absolutely just killed the the high school signing classes, right? And there are high school kids now who are probably going to have to go to other schools or other avenues to try to get their opportunities, which is a, probably a domino effect. But uh, while we did not sign uh, any high school players, Trace, 15 transfers were introduced. That's, that's big news, yes? Yeah, the way UCF rolled it out, that student is enrolled and may have been for a few weeks. But hey, if you haven't heard it, Uh, It's new to you. Rivals saying uh, the transfer portal class 11th for UCF, ranked 11th. On three saying 14th are the Knights. What names stand out to you? We spent some time talking about quarterback K.J. Jefferson uh, incoming from Arkansas. But what about some other of these uh, 15? It's not so much names, Trace, as it is themes. I mean, I think the most interesting thing Gus said at that press conference was he prioritized production, not potential. And I think you back that up with the, the way he, he recruited this four linebackers, four defensive backs or, or, you know, secondary players, if you will, and one D lineman. Right. So, I mean, you put you put nine of those chips uh, onto the defensive uh, side of the ball. I think that was clearly a side that we all thought, hey, we need to we need to sort of get better at it and, and make some make some strides at offensively it looks like he just filled in holes like Alec Holler leaves bring a tight end in right lose right receiver bring in Goldie Lawrence right lose a quarterback bring in KJ seems like he just plugged holes on defense it seemed like they went after more of an approach to say we've got to get more talent across the board I think that's the biggest message is you know Gus is is looking to find an opportunity to fill the gaps he had on the team last year and he's putting his money where his mouth is we've talked about defense being an issue he went out and again nine nine of those players are coming from the defensive side and again, he's valuing production, not potential. You don't love that because is that a good long-term strategy? But for the short term, it shows you Gus is certainly all in. Yeah, and you know, he has responded to criticism about the transfer portal class last year, saying there was a bit of a learning curve, kind of acknowledging that they had a few more misses than hits. Uh, you mentioned linebacker and uh, the additions there. Let's hear from Coach Malzahn on uh, bolstering the linebacking core through the portal. Yeah, we, you know, the big thing is we lost our two starters, okay? And we were a little thin at linebacker last year anyway, as far as experience goes. and just felt a little strong that we need to get some experience there, some guys that have played and played well, uh, and we did that. We addressed the needs. We got some good, good young guys coming up that I think 
are going to be good in time. And so, uh, you know, really address that need and uh, real excited about the group coming in. Also hitting on that hometown hero theme, you mentioned Goldie Lawrence, the uh, Sanford Seminole product. So uh, UCF constantly reinforcing that they got that uh, fence around greater central Florida. Again, I, I don't know if it's coach speak, but I, a couple of things that Gus mentioned is they were looking for guys who led their team in tackles, guys who played a lot of snaps, who were team captains. He listed off a bunch of criteria that sounded good at the presser. And obviously his his words are backed up by who he brought in. But I think it's an interesting approach to think through how he's going after players. Because last year we fell victim to the sexy name at the sexy school, right? This guy went to Georgia. This guy was at Washington, right? We fell victim to that. This year, you don't have a ton of those schools where you're like, oh, my goodness, this guy was a star at X. You've got some schools that are kind of middle of the road, some schools that are probably having a scratch in our head. So curious to see if this strategic approach of going after production, going after tangibles like, you know, tackles, team captain, leaders, multi-year starters. I'm curious to see if that plays out better than what we went last year with, which it felt like, hey, this guy was at Clemson. Hey, this guy was at Florida. Hey, this guy was at Georgia. And it turns out in most of those cases, those those players didn't really pan out for UCF. UCF certainly rated Cincinnati too. Three of the 15 are uh, now former Bearcats. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, production. Take for exa example, defensive end Dalen Dotson, UT Martin, Big South Defensive Player of the Year as sort of one of those accolades that you were mentioning uh, in addition to production and snaps and starts and, and all of that. Uh, Andrew Cherico uh, did a great job catching up with players. You've posted some of those interviews already on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. They have that media availability after the session with Coach Malzahn. One of the people he talked to was uh, defensive end Dalen Dotson. And uh, this kid, he wants to win. He says he has something to prove in 2024. Um, if you're not trying to win at all, what you in it for? You know, that's, that's something that my mom told me ever since my, like, I was six and first started playing football. She told me, like, if you, if we take you to football practice, you better give it all. There's no reason for you to be here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm big, I'm big people. I'm a big fan of, like, not wasting time. You know, there's a lot of guys here, like, this on their last year and this their shot to go to the league and stuff like that. And this same thing with me. So I'm not going to let myself down, let my family down. Of course, I'm not going to let the team down. You play to win the game. I like. Adam I Myers. like this Does kid that sound already. Familiar? Yeah. No, I like. He, I like this he kid means already. Business. Don't. He doesn't want to lengthy the interview either. He's yeah. like, Let's just get to business. Yeah, I like this kid already. I feel like this is the UCF Mike School of Player. Um, but again, <laughs> look, we've had success, right? We've had success finding guys at so that lower level tier of school. You know, obviously Jason Johnson was a two-year starter, led the team in tackles. Kobe Perry had a great year for UCF. So there is something to be said about guys like a Dalen Dotson who have a chip on their shoulder and are at a level now that they want something to prove. And, you know, will that bear out on the field? I guess we'll see. But I love the way this kid was talking. I like the energy that's bringing. And again, I think this is an interesting mix of player, Trace. I think last year we fell in love with the uh, – uh, with the sexy, if you will, I think this year there may be more substance than there be uh, sex appeal on this roster. Yeah, I can't help but think back to the uh, media session with the transfers last year, and you're talking to a guy that come from Georgia, or you're talking to a guy that had come from Clemson. He really bought in to the brand name, but maybe they didn't get a lot of playing time there, right? And they certainly ended up not getting a lot of playing time at UCF. Yeah. And again, I think it's interesting to think about how these uh, how this all comes together. Gus talked about it in the press conference where you don't have a lot of time. You're, you're popping tape in. You're watching a couple of clips clips and you're saying this guy can play with us. This guy can't. Right. I mean, and so I, I appreciate that there's more of a broad brush approach that the staff has taken this year uh, because you don't have a lot of time and you don't have the opportunity to 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 woo a player and to to figure out who, uh, you know, who maybe has some of that. Right. You have to kind of make some snap decisions. And I think. If Gus has found a criteria set and a, and a set of, um, you know, intangibles that he's looking for and that hits, I mean, you need a cheat code, right? If this is the cheat code, I'll take it. Well, again, 11th ranked in rivals for however much stock you put into the star system and, and all of that. You still would rather be uh, up on that list than, than down on it. And then that comes on the heels of their best recruiting class ever. This has to translate into better quality of players, better production, and you think translates into success on the field. It doesn't have to. It should. It has Hopefully to. It, it has does. to. The expectations have been – when you're throwing out numbers like 11, the expectations are raised. I mean, hopefully it does, right? But I, I look, I think, again, this, this is a very strategic and well-thought-out approach. 
And so I will give Gus and the staff credit for that. They, they found positions of need. They found a quarterback. They found two offensive linemen that have versatility, which, you know, Herb Hand loves to have on the O-line. You know, they found a receiver coming home back to back to the Central Florida area and Goldie Lawrence. I think this is a very strategic, well thought out plan that they executed. Now, did they get everybody they wanted? I don't know. Probably not. But I, I will give Gus a, a tip of this, you know, Citro Sunset here that he came up with this plan, came up with a strategy. And on paper, I'm excited with what he's brought in. Now, we got to put pads and helmets on and see how that all shakes out on Saturdays. But on paper, you got to say, hey, we, we went out and filled positions of need with players that have the, the stats, the measurables. And again, to borrow Gus's word, the production that you can at least look at and feel feel good about who they are. Since mid-December, we're not quite two months there, right? There have been a lot of changes. There was the bowl loss in what was otherwise a six and six regular season, but the highly touted recruiting class, Malzahn did not sit still in terms of changes on his coaching staff. And then the names that we knew, these guys that were enrolled, but officially unveiled, he certainly has addressed uh, areas of weakness. Now, whether those turn out, as you say, remains to be seen. We're about a month or so away from the start of spring camp. There will be a lot of questions and position battles. I, I, threw, I, I didn't include retaining players. That was also a big part of the offseason formula. So I'd say for UCF, it has been a very busy two-month stretch. Yeah, again, if anybody who's out there saying that, you know, Gus just sat on his hands and sort of ran it back, I mean, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Now, again, we can all figure out if these moves are going to work. Right. Is Ted Roof going to be a good defensive coordinator? Only time will tell. But if, if anything, you have to at least say Gus was self-reflective and said, how can we get better as a team? And, and I would challenge anybody out there just in life in general, looking yourself in the mirror and making a change is sometimes the hardest thing you can do, particularly when it's involving people. If you, if you are have a job and you lead a team of people, imagine going to your one of your people in your team and like, hey, we're going to bring someone else in over your position. Not an easy conversation to have. So, I mean, and yes, we're, by the way, we're not passing a GoFundMe around for Gus, but it's still tough conversations to have. And and I, I applaud Gus for a lot, at least having the, the self-awareness to say something has to change here. Now, did he make the right changes? You know, are we doing the right things? I have no idea if that's the case, but I will at least give him a pat on the back for saying you didn't sit pat and just run it back. You did something about it. And, and at least as a fan, I think that's all you can ask for in, in February 8th you know, six months before the season even starts. We're just a few years removed from Michael Colubiali, the Colubiali rule, right? The six-year guy. We saw a lengthy tenure for Alec Holler. What will we see in the future? How long will guys stay? You get, you know, you got a KJ Jefferson that's, that's got a year. We've run out of COVID years. And Have we you saw with men's basketball. I think we've run out of COVID years. Have we saw with men's basketball, 10 of 17 players new on the roster. I think that's the new norm for football as well. You see 15 yeah. names in this portal class. And you know you aren't necessarily going to keep guys for the full four years. Um, those days, those Kalubiali days, uh, probably over for, for most guys. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier, Trace. You think about teams and success and stacking classes and stacking success year over year. I think one of the intangibles with that is sort of the, the culture keeper, right? There's There was that old adage that, you know, the seniors left and the juniors picked up where the seniors were and, and kept the culture in place, right? And then that class left and that, that class came in and they kept the culture in place. UCF's had a little bit of that over time, right? But as the transfer portal comes into play, you're going to lose a little bit of that. And that's going to that's going to make coaches that much more important to sort of keep the culture in place uh, because you think about teams where you're going to have a lot of turnover, right? And you're going to have a lot of guys leaving, you know, who keeps that culture in place for use for UCF for a bunch of years during that heyday, right? You had guys like Shaquem Griffin and Titus Davis, who you knew were going to keep the culture in place, Richie Grant, you knew that culture was going to be there, but now with people coming and going, people leaving the team and, and popping in for a fifth and sixth year, how do you keep your culture intact? That's going to really rely on coaching because you're not going to have the Alec Hollers and the Michael Klubiali's playing six, seven, eight years, passing that culture down. I think that's what's going to be interesting about college athletics in the future. I agree with you on that. You mentioned coaching, switching gears. It was Johnny Dawkins who picked up career victory 300. Talk about uh, culture and a presence at UCF. Uh, Knights uh, go into the second half of Big 12 play four and five in the league after defeating then number 23 Oklahoma 74-63 led wire to wire let's talk about it now with former UCF development coach Ben Hazel what's Ben wearing tonight he's always snazzily dressed yep. uh, after victories hello Ben I'm here I'm here I really didn't expect to wear this many bow ties this season but uh here we are I'm happy to have it on 
let's first begin with, and you look great, by the way. You just, you look great. We exchange text messages. I don't get a preview, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing how many bow ties are in the collection. Um, career victory 300 for Johnny Dawkins. That was a special one. He won't soon forget that victory. Yeah, it was a huge win. I mean, the game itself to get to 300, um, I'm sure just made it that much sweeter. Uh, he's a really humble guy, but um, it's a really big milestone. And I hope he at least got to, you know, get his flowers for, for what he's been able to do here. Welcome back, Shamari Allen. Boy, was he missed. How good was it to have him back? It was huge. It was a game changer. I mean, you saw how well we were able to defend those guys at the guard spot. Um, I talked to Mark Emerit at the uh, women's appreciation dinner the other day. Uh, and he said, hey, after watching that game, I think I would take our guards over their guards any day. Um, and, and I think that was definitely true uh, last weekend. So hopefully they can keep it going because this next game, uh, as we know in this conference, the next one is always the most important one. Ben, let's talk about Jalen Sellers for a second. He obviously had a really big game against Oklahoma, but he's had some other games where he's you know been a little bit middle of the road. I know teams are keying in on him now. What is the best version of Jalen Sellers when he's when he's on? What is he doing that gets him effective like he was against Oklahoma? I think literally what we saw at Oklahoma is the best version that we can get from him almost every night. He didn't necessarily shoot it well. We know he can shoot it better, uh, but I think what he could bring is really just how well he got to the basket and got to the line. I mean how hard he drives the basketball just really causes guys to have to foul him. Um, I think he's starting to figure out kind of some angles in which he can get there. Uh, so I think really the Oklahoma game was his, the game that I was most proud of how he played and the performance that he put together. Ben, on, on the, on the around the kingdom show this week, we talked about who that third score is for UCF, right? I mean, obviously we know Jalen and DJ are probably going to be one, two, but that third score spot, I think for a while, maybe Chi Chi Avery was that guy. Now it seems like it's it's Antoine Jones. What what do you think? Who is that? Who is that third score that you were looking to to really kind of step up and be more consistent and be that consistent third score for the Knights um, week in and week out? I think it will be between those two. Um, the luxury for us is we have two capable guys. So I know Coach Dawkins is like, hey, I just hope one of them puts one of those games together like Antoine did against Oklahoma. Um, so really, it's going to be something that's going to be done by committee. I'm I'm not necessarily going to keep. Uh, I know I said Chi-Chi's name probably uh, back to back for a few weeks leading up. Um, I'm not going to go eggs all in one basket this week. Um, I think <laughs> it's something that they're going to have to do by committee. How would you evaluate what you've seen from Darius Johnson in the first half of the Big 12 schedule? And what more do we need to see from him in the second half? I would throw out cutting down on turnovers is something that uh, he would stand to benefit from. That's, of course, number one. I mean, that's something he could change tomorrow. Um, it's something that we're continuing to see improve. Uh, but I think, really, we've watched his growth. I mean, we talked about a lot of transfers, but this is a guy that's been here the entire time and really kind of been underneath Coach Dawkins' toolage, um, probably even before he got there. But uh, you really see his growth mentally. Uh, you see how he's able to kind of pick apart defenses, really impact the game defensively without fouling. And we have saw that maturation over the years. So I think he's the next step is really just not turning the ball over and really just managing the game in the way that he would like. Uh, but his growth has been uh, something to be proud of. Uh, and I've actually, you know, kind of told him that just because I'm always hard on him when he plays bad. So, you know, I take a little, you know, big brother approach to him. Just let him know he's been doing really well lately. Besides upset victories over Kansas, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, what would you say is the biggest surprise to you en route to this four and five mark right in the thick of things in the Big 12 race? I think the Oklahoma one. Uh, and the reason being is we didn't shock them. It wasn't something one. Of course, we didn't necessarily have to play too special, but we didn't sneak up on them like I think we did against a Kansas, even a Texas. Uh, so I really, really think that solidified us as a, a you know, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and you really need to respect this when we come into your gym or when you come here, come to Orlando. Uh, so I think that really solidified us as a, a, you know, we're in the Big 12 mix. Ben, what do you say to a young player like uh, like Tyler Hendricks, who, you know, has a lot of promise and, and got in the lineup a, a little bit, but kind of been out of the rotation as a coach, as 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 a leader on a team? What do you, what do you say to a young guy like Tyler Hendricks? Stay ready, stay ready. The way these games go, you never know when your number is going to be called. Uh, we just watched Texas Tech. I mean, they lost against Baylor, but they had to rely on some guys. 
uh, that they normally don't. And they came in and played major minutes and really helped them stay in the game. So, you know, you're one illness, one injury away from you being the guy playing 30 minutes. So uh, really just trying to bring it every single day and make sure he's ready when his number is called. We also saw more minutes for, for Nils Mahoski. What, what, what do you think kind of prompts those minutes? And what do you think he brings to the team differently than maybe DJ does when he's on the, on the, on the ball? His shooting ability. And I think he, he's a different, he manages the game in a different way, right? So Darius is a lot more physical. Darius is a lot faster, a lot more athletic. Um, but Nils really comes in with a little bit different pace. Uh, he makes shots when he's left open. Uh, so I think he gives a different look. Um, that's really what it is. Teams are starting to go zone against us. So uh, I think his name moves up a little bit when coach is looking at some guys and what they can bring. Every visiting coach in the post game has talked about how difficult it has been to play at UCF, but just in general, how difficult it is to win on the road in the Big 12. And now UCF goes to Texas Tech, a long road trip out yeah. to Lubbock, and then a rematch with BYU. What what will the Knights need to do? I'm not saying they can't win both of them, but you you want they've been getting splits during a lot of these weeks. Uh, they got to get a win somewhere there on the road at some point. What what do they need to do this coming week? Well, first off, I've made sure to let them know how important this game is to me because one of my old teammates plays is a coach at Texas Tech right now. He came over uh, with their new coach, and I just need this win for, for me on a personal note. Um, he's a teammate of mine. We've been competing, shooting drills, all of that stuff since we were in college. So I, I just need this one. He's a really nice guy, um, but I know he really wants to beat us too. So it's just a little something behind it. But what we need to do to win is really on the offensive end. We got to make a shot. We go on the road and we really just get ice cold. Uh, we And that's something that I, I saw some of my uh, old teammates. I, I promoted the show a little bit this week. Um, so I have some of my teammates in the chat. And, and one saying that we had in college uh, is really just the mantra of make shots. Like we make it seem so simple, uh, but it is really the essence of the game. And I think it's something that we need to do on the road uh, to really get a win. We're going to have to get to the free throw line, win the paint battle. And then we're really going to have to contain their two guards, uh, Pop Isaac and uh, Toussaint. Those two guys are the engine of that team. If we don't contain them, well, it'll be pretty tough for us. You mentioned free throws, 28 of 32 against Oklahoma. Now, that may be an outlier, but it does show them they are capable of making them. Yeah, it's going to be huge on the road. I mean, the free throw battle is always an important game in close, important in close games. Uh, but on the road, it's it's huge. So if we're able to get to the line more than them, uh, as well as shoot a pretty high percentage, uh, dominate the paint like we've been doing in the games that we've won. Uh, one thing as far as leading into that making shots mantra or why I led with that is that three of the four wins that we've had, we scored 70 points. So when we score 70, we have a high chance of winning. So if we can go on the road and make a shot, uh, I think we will come out victorious. But obviously you, you've been around Coach Dawkins for a long time. From a personal standpoint, how cool was it to see that three under the win? And how uh, was it even cooler to see that video that they posted afterwards where Coach K and all his former players kind of kind of congratulated him and, and thanked him for what they did? I mean, it's huge because I think with him being in the game of coaching for so long, like you kind of forget all the people that he's been around, all the people that have watched him play that are in big places. Uh, so seeing that uh, was really big. I mean, it was really cool to see. You saw Aubrey, you saw BJ in the – uh, in the in the reel um so i think it just showed kind of how many people he's touched over the years all the people that have helped him that he's helped uh, and really just how great of a person he is and i was really happy for him just because he's such a humble guy he never talks about himself it's like you sit next to him and you're like you were one of the best basketball players you know of your generation and you're like if you asked him it never even happened almost i mean you it takes a little while to get that competitive juice that he used to have uh, and get him to express it. But so getting, having him get those flowers was uh, a great thing to see and, and was really happy that, you know, all of the former players and coaches were able to kind of put their two cents in and congratulate him. A story I saw this week, Ben, I want to get your take on. Um, Kelvin Sampson went ham and went all the way across the court to argue with the referee, uh, which is probably P. Kelvin Sampson. But part of that was an uh, athletic article that came out afterwards saying that this is the first year the Big 12 has been, quote unquote, grading 
their officials, right? So essentially most leagues and in most professions, the officials get graded after a game and, and sort of upvoted or downvoted. But prior to this year, the Big 12 had never graded their officials. Is that just wild crazy to you to think that there was never any sort of coaching or accountability for referees in the Big 12? No, because I come from the mid-major space. I don't know where all those refs <laughs> come from, but like, hey, you have games. I mean, we didn't have a conference tournament back in my day, and you're in the middle of the games. So I was like, yeah, I could complain after, but that's not really doing anything for me now. So, you know, it doesn't really surprise me. And like, what does a bad grade mean? Like, you're getting demoted or fired, or we're going to get a new ref for, for next game. Like, they'll just do somebody else's game. You know, I think it's more a testament that these games are just really competitive. <laughs> teams are in uncomfortable situations that they're not used to being in. What, what did you make seeing, uh, seeing Kelvin Sampson travel 94 feet to yell at the referee? <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of his, not because I don't respect everything that he's been able to do, um, but just little behind-the-scenes stuff when they come to town. He just walks around like the godfather, you know, like everybody needs to stop <laughs> when he talks. Uh, the ref's not listening to me. And they're at home, so I know he's really just lost his top because he's like, I can't believe you know, we're at home. When I speak, everybody's supposed to listen, refs included. And, you know, it didn't really go like that. And they were up 20. That's the other part. It's like, I mean, you know, good. You're really involved, I guess, or really care. But, you know, it was for show. Have you ever fun. had a coach or know of a coach who tried to get kicked out on purpose? I Most coaches do it on purpose, I feel like. You know, it's not – I think most coaches, honestly, like it's it's something that, of course, there are some instances where coaches get carried away. Uh, on accident but getting kicked out it's on purpose for the most part it's for either your team or to really send a message because uh, like I said they were up 20 he's not going to do that against Kansas he's not going to do that against us <laughs> so now UCF's at a point where it's going to start to see teams the second time uh, a couple weeks ago lost a close one to BYU now travel they're a difficult place to play what do you make of that matchup uh, Tuesday night nine o'clock eastern start uh, they've got the a bit of a quicker turnaround from Saturday to Tuesday this week. Yeah, quick turnaround. Um, I think that'll probably be, you know, just as tough as pretty much all of them, really, with that travel. Uh, I think that's the part that really is interesting to me, um, having these two back-to-back, -back, but having to go out to Utah from Texas Tech and then coming back from there, uh, I think is a pretty interesting kind of mix. I'll, well, you know, I think it'll have some play on it, but, you know, it's what you sign up for, and I think it'll be a tough place to play. Uh, those guys will definitely make shots that game. So hopefully we can tighten the screws and, and come away with two road wins. That would be huge. And then, you know, we can go into the second half. Team's gotten back Shamari Allen, but still no C.J. Walker. Have you heard anything? His body language the last game to me didn't look like a guy who was close uh, to being back. I have. I don't have any updates on C.J. just yet. Um, I know he's trying to trying to get back as quickly as possible, but um i know he's just kind of taking it day by day with that i'm gonna have to ask an ibrahima diallo question ben he looks like <laughs> a, a well yeah my boy he looks like a well put together young gentleman what's the strongest basketball player you ever played with see the thing for the tough part about that question is the strongest and who played the strongest are like night and day almost um because the strongest person i ever played with didn't necessarily get the chance to play too much um his name is Hashim Moore came in as a freshman and like could lift the house um freak athlete from Florida actually uh but probably one of the stronger stronger guys on the court uh was I guess you could say a guy by the name of Ian Hummer um he plays overseas lefty um player of the year uh, undersized power forward but was just kind of a monster but Playing strong and being strong are two completely different things. I'm just happy Ibrahima plays strong. I don't really know what he does in the weight room. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what is sort of the weight room regimen for a basketball player? We know for football, baseball, I mean, a lot of guys want to get bulked up, add some muscle to them. And in basketball, obviously, the, the training is much different. What's sort of the, the philosophy from a weightlifting standpoint for basketball players? I mean, there's a ton, uh, as you know, like there's a ton for on the court and off the court as far as philosophies are concerned. Um, I do know Coach Rock during this part of the season is really just worrying about maintaining strength. Um, of course, they might increase it a little bit, but these guys are getting in the weight room about two to three times a week um, before practice. So the lifting doesn't stop during the season. Uh, it just kind of
kind of adjusts, gets a little lighter. Um, the types of reps and the types of sets that you're doing is more about maintaining your strength and increasing it. All right, so four and five, what do you think it's going to take in the second half of the season, Ben, for UCF to go to the big games? Consistency, consistency. We have what it takes. It's about maintaining that level uh, through the rest of the games. We can't have the Kansas State type of drop-offs. Um, we really just need to kind of how we played against Oklahoma be the bar because um, that's what it's going to take to be competitive in the second half of the season. Ready those bow ties. Yeah, I know you got <laughs> a couple more in the closet. I got them ready. I hope I uh, got to keep bringing them out. All next right. week will we be will a huge you. one. If I got to wear it next week, I'm going to try to do something real nice. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you in a bow tie every week. Ben Hazel, we appreciate you being with us. We'll talk with you again soon. Have a good one, fellas. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. It's a tough stretch, though, Adam, uh, at Texas Tech, Saturday, 4 o'clock, ESPN+. Plus. Then they turn around Tuesday at BYU. That's a tough tough place to play as well. I mean, that's, that's yeah. murder's row every week. Yeah, I think we talked about it around the kingdom. Five of the next nine are against ranked opponents, too, against Texas Tech in that stretch. But, Trace, look, I, I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of fun watching this team. And maybe it's because expectations were low. But I think about, you know, previous teams and – I'm not going to name guys, but there were guys who, you know, didn't, you know, didn't pass up a shot and, and, and a lot of, a lot of jacking up threes and not playing a lot of defense. This team plays hard. It's not the most beautiful style of basketball anyone's ever seen, but they play hard. They play together. They play defense. They play offense. They complement each other really well. It's been a really fun season to watch. Yeah, there are some games where it didn't look pretty, and, and sometimes it won't look pretty, but I've had more fun than I've had in a long time watching a UCF basketball team. So that's kind of what I'm excited about is you go into every game now, and you kind of have that like, hey, we actually could win this one. Like there, there's a chance that this comes out in a, in a fun, a fun result for UCF. And I think there've been games we thought, ah, we're not going to be Kansas. Oh, Oklahoma's going to be tough. Ah, Texas on the road. And you come out with wins. So as much as the the gauntlet is is here for us, I also wouldn't wake up flabbergasted, shocked if we beat one of these two teams over the, ne the next week. I think this team is it's a lot of fun to watch. Again, not the most beautiful basketball you've ever seen, but a, a, they're playing as a real team. And it's been a couple of years, I think, since we've had that for UCF basketball. I like Ben's point, though, of UCF trying to hit that 70-point mark and it drastically increasing their chances of winning. Well, yes. Knights I mean, putting the ball in the basket would be fantastic <laughs> if we could do that more. That'd be great. Uh, Knights find themselves a couple games out of first, eh, a couple games from the bottom as well. But let's go around the Big 12 now with Jeff Howe. Houston still maintains the lead atop the standings in the Big 12 for men's basketball. The Cougs holding a 7-3 and three record. Baylor right on their heels in second, along with Iowa State, both at 6-3 and three marks. And Kansas just a half game back of that at six and four. Going into this weekend's action, the schedule looks like this on Saturday. TCU is at number 14, Iowa State, two o'clock on ESPN2. West Virginia takes on Texas. That'll be three o'clock on the Longhorns Down Network. Number five, Houston travels to Cincinnati, four o'clock on ESPN2. Baylor. In Kansas, so this is a top 25 matchup as the 13th-ranked Bears take on the 4th-ranked Jayhawks, 6 o'clock on ESPN. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, the Bedlam version of basketball, 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Kansas State travels west to take on number 21, BYU. That's a 10 o'clock late-night start on ESPN2. As far as the Knights are concerned, they take their show on the road to battle number 23, Texas Tech, That'll be 4 o'clock on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. With your Big 12 Minutes, I'm Jeff Allen. Just listening to Jeff talk <clears throat> about all of those games. They're all so interesting. So much, uh, so many compelling storylines in all of them. Yeah, I have to apologize, though, for that classless uh, horns down network display by Jeff there. That's we don't tolerate that business around here. You know what you really? win? Yeah, you win the right way, Tracy. You broadcast the right way. Just a classless showing by Jeff Allen. Unbelievable. Uh, we've talked about this throughout the season. I find myself watching far more big of action than I ever did the American. Like I, I'd yes. watch uh, Kansas, Kansas State before I'd watch ECU Tulane. You know, the, the, the higher profile games in the American, a Memphis, a Houston, yeah. I, I tune into those, but uh, some of those other games. But here, there's no bad matchups game in and game out. 
No, there's not. And I, I want to make an update to it, a list that I've been running on the show. And I'm not inciting violence, so please don't take this. But I previously had Nick Sirianni as the most punchable face in sports. Rodney Terry, <laughs> shooting up the charts, Trace. He may be the most punchable face in sports. We're shooting up the charts. Just throwing it out there. Is there a top five list in that? There could be coming. And Nick Sirianni was my, my lone favorite. He had had the top spot for a long time. Rodney Terry, though, polling is showing he's, he's shooting up the charts. Just throwing it out there. Which of these next two uh, at Texas Tech and at BYU do you think BYU do you think give the Knights a better chance of, of getting a win? I'm going to go Texas Tech first game of the roadie, um, you know, Saturday game. They've had a long stretch. They can get a little bit healthy, get some rest in here. Um, you know, time change isn't so bad. So I'm going to go the first one on this road trip. I think Texas Tech two days uh, after Texas Tech, rather two days of rest at BYU mountain climate, you know, trying to get home. Haven't been there in a while. I think that may be your tougher one. So give me Texas Tech. Texas Tech has lost three straight games. Uh, I've, I've heard. And, I've heard such a thing, yes. And they're pretty good at home. They only have the one loss at home. It's a tough, tough environment. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, this Texas. Texas. I can't talk tonight. Um, you can be okay. Texas Tech. It's yeah, yeah Texas, it, Tech. Texas Tech. I think it's it guns up. A, guns up. I think it's I've, had a, I've had a long drive Although from these aren't guns. Today, I'm not really so. sure I should do that. Yeah. I had a long drive from Tallahassee today, so I'm... Uh, tongue-tied let's uh talk with jeremy gillon part of tortilla and takes covering texas <laughs> <Tech> <laughs> athletics part of the, a lot uh, of tease trace Shroko <laughs> talking about texas tech and tug tied and tortillas and takes yeah, and here's one for that right. that's that's jeremy i'll be not yet pictured maybe he'll be here in a second uh but jeremy, jeremy is kind welcome of welcome into sons of ucf live how you doing What's up, guys? I'm feeling uh, good. You know, uh, it's always nervous for me going on to other shows. It's like, man, am I going to make a fool of myself? Am I going to say something wrong or get tongue-tied? But you kind of enjoyed me right that. In. I feel great. Yeah, I, I did that to make you feel more comfortable. <laughs> We're all yeah, I love that. I love that. I appreciate it. No, happy to be on and talk some, even though, you know, it's been a rough stretch. Happy to talk Texas Tech basketball with you guys. What's going on now? Three-game stretch here where Texas Tech has not performed so well. Man, that's the question of the hour. Uh, and, you know, let me kind of like preface it with this. I think Texas Tech is having a tremendous season. And I think that we are kind of, uh, with the way that we started the conference play and played some really good teams and ended up in the top, like we were leading the conference for a little bit and then it was top three, it, it, there was kind of this notion of, like Texas Tech fans want to be back on the national stage. We want to be back in the spotlight when Coach Beard was here and even the first year of Adams. Um, but kind of falling away from that, we we have a new head coach who is proven in his own right. And, but we are like, okay, we're wrestling between, we have a first year head coach, but we're actually doing really well, surprisingly well, comparatively. Um, the last three games, man, I'll tell you this much. It's hard to win on the road. Um, I, when we went to TCU, that's a game where, Top 25 matchup. Uh, TCU can be sneaky good. Uh, they're one of their, their best players of the night, Micah PV, is actually a Texas Tech transfer. Um, he left Tech two years ago and unreal, unreal shooting. He's never shot that many threes in his career and just decided not to miss. And so when players kind of play, when TCU is playing at the level that they were, they weren't missing shots that they normally, they were just outrageously better than they had been all season. And people will have nights like that. And so let that one drop. Uh, I think the disappointment for tech fans and myself, especially was a Cincinnati game um, coming home, playing Cincinnati in a place that you really want to be uh, prolific at in the big 12, you know, getting road wins is hard. Winning at home should be the norm unless you're Texas. For some reason, they want to flip that um, for Cincinnati. It was a disappointment because our team was just incoherent. Like it, they did not play cohesively. The shots were looking, I mean, the shot choices were just erratic. I mean, it looked like we were really trying to force everything. Now, in the wake of that 75-72 loss, um, a lot of, I would say, rumors just because, you know, how can you validate these things of of illness, um, kind of rampant throughout the Texas Tech roster, just like there's, there. Yeah, I got them in sweats on. <laughs> I just had some spaghetti, too, so I'm all in it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this, this idea that, okay, maybe they're, maybe they're sick. Maybe they have a flu. And of course that kind of trailing over into the Baylor game, but with the Baylor game, we lost our big 
Warren Washington. He's the true, like seven foot, he's the biggest guy we got, and he's the only big man we got. And if you go and look, um, great, a, a great follow on social media for like Texas Tech Analytics um, is Ryan Mainville, Money Mainville. Uh, he pulled up the shot chart for the Baylor game. Um, I would say about 85, 90% of their shots right under the basket. And so losing Warren Washington for that game to illness, which kind of for me validates the whole idea. Yeah, this team is probably a little bit sick still. Um, you know, without our big man, we're we're scrambling. And so rebounds on our strong suit. So if we don't got our seven footer in there, it, it's lights out. No idea what the update on Washington is right now. Um, I heard he's been practicing. You know, is he good to go? How hard is the illness hitting him? It's hard to say. It will probably be a game time decision. And, and at the very least, they'll keep it close to their chest. But just a super disappointing stretch of three losses for Texas Tech after kind of starting the way we did. But with a first year head coach, he's doing a lot more than we all could have expected. And I will say, even though this is not the same by any stretch of the imagination, the last time Texas Tech lost three in a row, um, they went to the national championship. So there's 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 some kind of nugget of hope there. <laughs> I got to imagine with UCF projected 14th preseason that this is a game you probably circled and said, this is going to be a win. But now UCF is wins over Kansas, Oklahoma and Texas. Not as easy a mark uh, as first thought. Let me tell you this much. I, a nobody, no legacy team outside of Kansas because they're arrogant should ever circle any other team in the Big 12 and say it's a dub. Because it's just never how it's been. It's part of the reason the Big 12 has become recognized as the best basketball conference. It's like if you slack off, okay, Oklahoma State this year, maybe they're they're doing their own thing. Um, outside of them, anybody can beat you. And so if you're not going to like play your best, the toughest team wins in this league. So uh, I've never thought I, – I, I think in our preview of this year – UCF was a team that I had a big question mark on of like, how are they going to make, how are they going to kind of adjust? Um, I don't care about the preseason poll. That stuff has never mattered to Texas tech fans just because we always get doubted anyways. It's no big deal. Um, either we rise to the occasion and we surprise and piss everybody off or we just don't and nobody cares anyways. So, um, but for us, like this UCF game is just as important as a Kansas game at home. Tell me about Pop Isaacs. He's obviously the leading scorer on the team, 17 points a game. What does he do so well? What? How has he been so effective for Texas Tech? Yeah, uh, Pop, I'll give you this much. Pop, I think, is he can play a little selfish at times, but that does play to his benefit. He's a great ball handler. He likes to create on one-on-one. -on -one. He, lo he loves a good ISO. Like if there's anybody just trying to one-on-one -on -one him, he'll like to create space. Uh, this is a guy who can – seemingly pull up from anywhere and make it um he takes these outrageous three-point shots you can't even tell he's getting set up for but he'll just kind of step back real quick jade up and it just sinks in and for me as a fan my heart stops every time because i'm like man what a dumb shot and as i'm thinking that it goes in I'm like okay well fantastic um so he's kind of a frustrating player to watch because he's his game is erratic um which is part of the downside to him is that if he feels like you know, he has to put the game on his back, a la the game against Baylor. Um, if he feels like he has to put the game on his back, he can get a little reclusive with ball handling and keep that possession more to himself. And it does frustrate his teammates. But whenever he's cohesive and he's got faith in his team, you know, everybody's playing well. Um, he is a great facilitator. He has some of the like cleanest under the basket passes I've seen in Texas Tech basketball for some time. Uh, has a lot of great vision. For his teammates and this is again a team that has been just kind of scrapped together in the offseason uh mccasson's first year was just like i need to go find some guys because after mark adams had to leave this team imploded and so we only had a couple pieces we had to build the rest up pop deciding to stay was the biggest probably the foundational piece of this team's success because he is such a good facilitator he's been a team he's been a captain for the team he's been like the glue guy but the best version of that not the brock cunningham version where it's like five fouls zero points and one assist maybe um he's an absolute glue guy when he's at his best but at his worst and i have to say it for you know um, consistency at his worst he does ruin some offensive possessions by kind of an idea that he has to get it done. And that's just not the case, but he's an excellent ball player can shoot it from anywhere. Um, and he's just, again, great in the one-on-one -on -one scenario. 
But you mentioned, obviously, for those who don't know, Mark Adams uh, had to leave under some some tough circumstances. Grant McCaslin comes in. How would you assess, A, the sort of the change between that and B, how has he sort of maybe helped to, to rebuild or restabilize the culture for Texas Tech basketball? <laughs> That's a really good question that could you could probably write a really long article about. Um, to give you a Spark Notes version, I suppose, is that this kind of fell apart all the wheels really started to fall off when Chris Beard decided to leave uh, for UT Austin, which is our in-state rival. I don't think you know that. Um, <laughs> and the rival of everybody who dares oppose them. But after Chris Beard left, Mark Adams kind of stepped in and made the decision to stay with the guys, become the head coach. He was, he was, picked, he was picked amongst the group, become the head coach because he already had the trust of the guys. Um, that first year was fantastic. Sweet 16 appearance. And we all felt like, Hey, the next year, you know, we can just build on that. But the reality is that Coach Adams is just from a different era. And I mean that like coaching wise, coach pedagogy is that he's very hands off. He's not very engaged when guys are on the floor. He's, he's always kind of known to just kind of stay on the sides. It's just kind of like, you know, standing like that um, as he expects his players just to do everything perfectly from practice. Now, that's just not how the game works. And uh, his issues off the court with some players um, prevailed in, in a positive way in a negative way because of what happened, but in a positive way because Texas Tech needed a change. And so formed a committee with some great people on it, including Joy McGuire, um, Noren Sodiase, who is probably one of the largest vocal ex-athletes uh, for Texas Tech this day and age. Um, and they found our guy. It was Grant McCaslin. And he was really not on anybody's radar, but uh, Kirby Hocutt, our athletic director, and then the other guys looked at him and said, when they came in with the interview, it was... Um, I, 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 I got a, I got a culture I'm going to instill here and I got a belief in my players and I'm going to put people where their strengths are best, not where I feel like they should be. And kind of built this idea that players can develop into the, like the best version of themselves, right? Where with, with Adams, it was very, got to fit this cookie cutter mold. We've got to run this uh, rotation offense. It was ugly. It was terrible. Um, really got really kind of um, stunted a lot of growth of our athletes. And so McCaslin's just been a uh, night and day, very humble, very, he has a lot of humility when it comes to his coaching. Uh, if he finds there, there's a point in the season, if you look through the Texas tech schedule, we're not really scoring very much. And then when we lose against um, when we lose against Butler, uh, his decision there at the halfway point was like, all right, we're not getting points. So like, we need to run. We just didn't let people run. And so we just started going with this transition offense stuff. And sure enough, we eclipsed 90 points, 100 points. And it was like, wait a minute. We still lost. But Coach McCaslin said, wait a minute. I think the guys that I have now are going to play differently uh, if we do a different offensive pedagogy that I'm used to. So switching it up, we've become a more prolific uh, scoring team. And guys have been able to like fit into roles that weren't originally assessed for them. And he's just been he's had a great attitude about it. It's not like it's going to work because it's my way. He's like, it's going to work because we're all agreeing. Like we're all trying to be the best version of ourselves. And so his humility, his, his character, his, he has a lot of integrity uh, and a lot of belief in his team, both, you know, when we're at the top of the big 12 and then when we're losing three in a row, uh, he's the same guy. And so I think that consistency, that, that security, even for some of these players who have been held over from the Mark Adams era, uh, it's just instilled a lot of belief that we can, like we can go out and we can compete. Speaking of integrity, I got to ask, is, is that a uh, fireplace on your TV? <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. I just making sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, making sure everything's is... okay over there because I saw a bunch of fire and I'm like, I wonder if I should say something. It's, I don't yeah, know out of your hoodie. here. Yeah. I don't know what the obligations. Okay. Jeremy, we appreciate you sharing your insights on uh, the Red Raider basketball team with us. Tortillas and Tanks, part of the 1012 Network. Thanks for being with us. Enjoy the game Saturday. Yeah. Y'all too. Let's have a good time. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate right. you. Thank you, Jeremy. I was wondering that same thing about the fire. I saw I saw it in the background. I'm like, all right, is that a fireplace? Like, please tell me there's not an inferno behind this guy. And I got to like, can I be like arrested if I don't tell him on a live stream that he's on fire? Like I, a lot of thoughts are running through my head there, Jeremy. Speaking of know. being on fire, yes, softball has rallied for four runs in the bottom of the sixth to take Kennedy a Searcy, lead two over run homer. Yes, yeah, that is right. Let us go to the newest member of the Sons of UCF team, Christy Saintville. She is live at the Plex covering UCF softball for us tonight. I'm going to warn Christy. I think or she's not. sideways. She is still sideways. Yes, sideways. <laughs> you are sideways. <laughs> well, you're live. So, it's, oh, there, there you go. Hey, Christy. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Christy uh, Kennedy Searcy with a home run. Tell us about it. Kennedy Searcy 
she's just amazing tonight. Whether she is doing a home run, she's hitting RBI, she's getting her teammates on base regardless. She's just taking one for the team tonight, and she's doing a really great job. And the Knights off to a strong start. They get the win in the early game as well. Chloe Evans with a two-run shot. Yes, Chloe Evans really did her best performance in the last game. She homered in the bottom of the second inning. She had four RBIs throughout the game, and she was great defensively. Uh, she really came through for the team against Howard. Chrissy, two questions about for Sarah you. Willis's performance here. Sarah Willis. At first, she was a little rocky. We didn't. I didn't know what she was doing in the pitching circle, but she is just phenomenal. She is striking these players out. She is at bat, giving the pitcher a very hard time. She's playing a great game. Chrissy, two questions. One, what's the crowd like out there tonight? The crowd at the Howard game, they were very, uh, they were more like chill, like they were waiting to see, they're anticipating. They, I don't think they're giving UCF a hard time, but now that UCF won um, against Howard 10-2, they are ecstatic. They came into the UConn game. They're loud. They are, they are so loud. They have poor sportsmanship. They're doing a great job tonight. And two, have you met the great Eric Lopez yet? No, I haven't. Oh, no. Wow. All right. We got to get that figured out for you. All right, Christy, we'll let you get back to watch this one and see the Knights close out, hopefully, the second game of this uh, two-game set. And, they uh, definitely we, uh, will. Welcome you. We welcome you to Sons of UCF Live. We will see you again soon. Yep. Bye, you guys. Thanks, Christy. All right. I never know what's going to happen. You see the live shot set up. I was <laughs> like, trying to find a way she, to tell she her she's sideways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Knights have Seattle on Friday, UConn again Saturday, Sunday, Georgia State at noon, and then Liberty uh, before they head out to Clearwater. Let's uh, check in on some news and notes now. Jasmine Williams, let's go around the kingdom. She's a good one, very durable at short for the softball team. Baseball Fan Fest Saturday, February 10th, 2 to 4 at John Juliano Park. Women's basketball, ah. They got beat by Cincinnati 67-61. They had beaten Iowa State uh, for their second win, but they fall to 2-9 and nine, uh, in league play. Uh, Saturday at Texas Tech. Hey, that's a doubleheader there out in Lubbock. And then Tuesday, uh, home against BYU. So they got to go all the way to Lubbock and then come back. At least they could have paired their games together. You mentioned Eric Lopez earlier. Uh, he and I mixing it up again this week on Around the Kingdom. I mean, you're. let's be honest. Here we are in February, Trace, and we're invested in this team. People are invested. Uh, I don't know how many people expected that. To get four wins, beat, and it's not just any four wins. You beat Kansas at home, one of the best athletic, Texas. UCF athletic events. Texas on the road, and you made their coach flip out uh, to get national story. And you beat Oklahoma. And, I mean, that's, it's been an incredible first half. Around the Kingdom, you'll find on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. Speaking of flipping out, hey, I had the opportunity to meet Clay of Clay's Corner, and he promised me that this week's episode, this week's segment of Clay's Corner would be shorter. So let's start the clock. If it goes longer than a minute, Adam, no, all right. We, we won't dump out. We do welcome back. It's not, it's, Clay. it's, it's a smidge longer than a minute. Just a smidge. Just a quick smidge. Uh, he's uh, talking uh, UCF at Kansas. Uh, this week in a review of the 2023 season. Ever have trouble remembering the games? You know, it's been a long season. Can't really blame you if you do. Do you not have three hours to devote to go watch the entire game? I'm going to summarize UCF's entire game in about one and a half to two minutes. Let's get started. UCF versus Kansas. Unfortunately, this is the game we debuted our light mode uniforms. Oh! Ew! You don't want to be like this. This is disgusting. This is awful in every way. If I could kill it, I would. But I legally can't. Three and outs go by, and Kansas makes this insane catch. Kansas scores a field goal and goes up three. UCF goes three and out and allows Kansas to lightning McQueen their way into the end zone. Another UCF three and out, and Kansas powers their way into the end zone. UCF yet again goes three and out and makes this Kansas return look like prime Devin Hester. This, along with many other people, is where I turned my TV off and decided it was time to enjoy my Saturdays. We kind of get a drive going down the field until Timmy decides to play backyard ball and deserves another nomination for the Jameis Winston Play of the Year. Another touchdown for Kansas. Wait. Is this a Kansas recap video? Alec Hollick, the 30-year-old he is, gets in the end zone for the first UCF touchdown of the day in the third quarter. We go for two, and we obviously don't get it. Kansas continues to make a highlight reel out of us by running up the score, and I think we get a few points in there, too. I don't know. I didn't watch. You probably didn't either. I'd also like to point out that we live in a time where UCF gets destroyed by Kansas in football, yet we 
not destroy, but beat a high-ranked Kansas in basketball. Well, how long was that? No, it was good a to be playing at the basketball game good. the other day. Yeah. Is uh, the mustache is filling in for him a bit? Uh, so, um, <clears throat> you, you know, there's three hundred dollars. Characters, three hundred dollars on the line for you tonight if you shave that mustache. We have. Well, Do you understand how much of a production that is? And I'm not doing that. I'm okay, I'm just saying. I'm yeah. telling you right now. If you care about yeah, charity, yeah. there's three hundred bucks in the table. <laughs> I, I do care about charity, but I, I'm not. I'll do you. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is, however, that time again. Is it that time again? It is. It's that time again. Time to open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. Look at that! It is that time again? <laughs> uh, we will roll through these at Cap Veg One hot dogs, skinless or with natural casing. We get the straight. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't even. Is there options? I don't even. I, I don't eat. I'm not a hot dog guy. I'm a bratwurst guy. I'm not, I'm not a hot dog, dog guy, guy. Yeah, that's not me. Uh, at Mr. Matt Dolan, I hope you're enjoying uh, another brewski right now. Uh, going back to Lubbock this weekend, he asks of me. I I am not. I do, however, plan to be out at uh, Baseball Fan Fest. At Riley Carey 16, what do you want? Who do you want to win the Super Bowl? And what did you think of the horns down sign in the student section Saturday? Big on the horns down sign. Pro uh, the students for that. Uh, very good. Uh, Super Bowl pick, uh, San Francisco. I Yeah, I mean, I can't root for the Niners just because I'm a Cowboys fan, but the Chiefs have won a lot, so I really hope <laughs> both teams have fun. At uh, OJTFEUDZ, will JRP accept another position to play in the NFL, or do you eventually see him coming back to baseball? I, st- I just I still don't see him as a quarterback in the National Football League. Rooting for him, but I, yeah. I just don't see it. He had a decent performance at the East-West Shrine game, whatever it was. But I, I think it's going to be hard. I think I think a coach will find a way to use him as an athlete. He's not as big as like a Taysom Hill, but could he play that kind of role? So maybe that's possible. Also, shout out to to this is Tony. Tony offered up some free tickets to the Oklahoma game, and uh, he'll have some other potential options for people to win free tickets around the Suns of UCF. So big thanks to Tony for, uh, for hooking you all up with some free tickets to some UCF sporting event. Thank you, Tony. Dolly drama. Ah, here we go. Always, always a little zingy in his uh, praise of UCF basketball. Dawkins contract year is exceeding expectations. What type of extension do you give him? Um, I'm surprised that it hasn't been announced yet by Terry Mahajer. I think he's got to get at least four years, you, three to four years. Something we don't know, Trace. No, no, my, no. I know, perhaps, but uh, I'm, no, I'm just saying I'm surprised <laughs> that they contract. He got his 300th win. They're four and five. They're in the thick of things. They got big upset wins. Extend his contract. But what do you expect a contract to look like? And uh, the second question there was, you see him being lured anywhere else. Uh, the better the season they have in the second half, the more likely that seems to be. Yeah, I think there's always a possibility. We talked about this off air on Run the Kingdom. The lowest paid coach in the Big 12 is TJ Olsenbacher, I think his name is, at uh, at Iowa State making 2.1. Johnny's listed as 1.2 right now. So uh, if someone's going to offer him an <laughs> ACC school, an SEC school, offer him 2.5 or something like that, then obviously you're, you're going to have uh, the opportunity to, to maybe make some money there. So uh, money talks. At Hardo C and saying most of the national media, even UCF's fan base, expecting men's basketball to finish dead last with the performance seen so far. If they were to miss out on March Madness but qualify for the NIT, would that be considered a successful season? For me, it would. I think so. Yeah, I think if you told us in the beginning of the year we're an NIT team, I think we'd have taken it, right? I think, you know, obviously now you see the team, and that's why we talked about it around the Kingdom Trace. Like, you're four and five. You're four and five now. Expectations change a little bit, but if we told you at the beginning of the year we'd be four and five, we'd all sign up. So I, I don't, I don't love the NIT, obviously, but if we're going to play in the NIT, I'll watch. At JP Gilbert talking about men's basketball, he's back on the bandwagon for Johnny Dawkins. He yes. wants to know when will the fake news media acknowledge basketball is a more serious foot, uh, more serious program than the football program? <laughs> he has not come around on Gus. Gus got to win a lot of games in order to turn JP Gilbert. Yeah, I mean, look, I you, I think it's also because basketball was a sport that we just didn't think we were going to have any competitive fire in. And, and Johnny's making a bunch of moves, and the levers he's pulled have been successful. And you could argue that the levers Gus has pulled haven't really been successful. So I can see that compare. Uh, yeah, I know you're not allowed to p- compare football and basketball. Apologies out there. Tap, tip at the cap to UCF, Mike. But I... 
Johnny's pulled some levers that have been successful. I think Gus has to do some of that too. Add two letters, two words. Robert, if men's basketball is at full strength the rest of the season, are they an NCAA tournament team? I think they need four. Five would get them there, but I think they need four, and I think that's tough. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to win at least four more, I think, to get into the mix for the tournament. Not impossible, but I, I, I think, the again, five of the next nine against ranked teams, I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a tough stretch. At NightFan94, in line with Jason Johnson commenting, certain UCF fans he'd like a word with, which Twitter account persona would each Suns team member like to face off against on an American Gladiator joust platform. Is that show still on? They still do that It show? should be. What a classic that was, Trace. That was revolutionary television. I don't think it's on anymore, though. There was two different uh, documentaries, one on the ESPN person, and one on Netflix, so if you're interested. For me, it's the person asking the question at NightFan94 because we battle – all the time about this Citronaut versus UCF thing. So I would like to settle it once and for all. <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah. I mean, I got a couple of options, uh, you know, Any names, um, you know, uh, th- that bounce house grilling guy is every oh. comment. He's really upset about everything. So uh, maybe he just needs to take it out on somebody. I don't know, but that may be my, that may be my option. Um, who else do I have blocked? You I have to check that. Uh, I got a <laughs> you do have a block list. Yeah. And you may be on it right there watching right now. And Lonely BUCF. Who are the uh, Night Nation's top five most loved non-UCF people? Um, you know, I think he's mentioning, you know, RG3, uh, who I really like. Uh, and he's certainly been for UCF. Let me throw one out. Lee Corso is one of my favorite people. And you see now talked about this. I don't remember if it was during Around the Kingdom or after, uh, but Nick Saban, now part of uh, college. Yes. And then he said, so too will Lee Corso be back. Yeah, I don't, I didn't make a talk. I think, isn't it one of the Lopez brothers? Robin Lopez, I think is a big UCF guy, if I have that right. Uh, So I'll go, I'll go Robin Lopez, Scott Van Pelt, who's in Stanford, Steve, who were at the game against Oklahoma, have always been very complimentary of of UCF. I'll take anybody who refers to UCF as UCF. That's how I know that they have respect for UCF. When he hit me with the Central Florida, I'm not offended, but I know that you don't know what you're talking about. When he hit me with UCF, you're automatically in my top five. My favorite still is is Golden Knights. That's been gone for so long, but it was the best branding UCF apparently has ever had because it surfaces throughout the year. Who knew? No, no. All right, time for a little fun to end the show. What are we calling this? Is this? Are right. we calling I don't know. Here's the, the here's the behind the scenes. Trace hits me up and says, "We need a new segment. Let's do something <laughs> we fun, need something, something to interesting." Do at the end of the show. And I said, "You know what? I, what? What do you want to do? We we spitball some ideas." And and so I'm going to debut. Hold on, let me get my prop here. We we got props. This we've is got, called oh, in the box, friends. Offered uh, by Charlie Hustle, by the way, promo oh. code 10 12 15 can get you. Uh, we might as well sponsor this deal, Trace. 10 12 15 will get you 15% off all your merchandise. Like Inside, by the way, I like the stickers. Thank you. If you see me at a basketball game, I've got several of those uh, you gave me that I can give out. So if you see me, uh, I've got uh, those stickers uh, at basketball games. In my back. Inside, I've got random topics, questions that are coming our way, Trace. I'm going to reach into this box here. I'm going to pull one out and whatever it but is. How random are they? You know, you, you wrote the questions, right? I'm the one surprised. Welcome. Yes. All right. Here's the, uh, this is right. This is right up your alley, Trace. Should UCF inject Gus Malzahn with truth serum <laughs> one time a year? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, do we, is it pre-scheduled or can we just throw a flag like in those commercials? <laughs> I want the truth right now. You tell me, what's the one question? If you know Gus has truth serum and he's got to answer it truthfully, what's the, you get one question. I know that Mike is a hot commodity in that, in that press room, Trace. What's the one, it comes to you. What's the one question you're asking Gus with truth serum? Oh, I don't know. I mean, during the last season, it would have been what week uh, were you starting to call plays again? Or was it from the beginning of the season? (laughs) Might've been, might've been it, but uh, yeah. We should revive that topic from, you know, you used to do a hypo rewind. You need to bring that back. Uh, that was translator. And, and Thanks then. for listening, Trace. Yeah. Hypo translator. <laughs> Thanks well, for being part of the show. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's been a few years. What about you? What's your take? Uh, I would love it. I think the question I would have to ask is I'd, something about the JRP Mikey. I need to know more. Or I need to know, Gus, what was that conversation like with Dylan Gabriel when he told you he was leaving? I think that's the other true serum quiet. What did you say to Dylan when he said he was leaving? Uh, recently, it might be, what was your conversation with Darren like? 
when you mentioned that he's now co-offensive coordinator. It's a good one. And Chet's a big fan of uh, what happened with Baylor. Yeah, if anybody has any idea what happened with Baylor, <laughs> did he ever give up play calling? I think we, I think we know that. It is too many numbers. That's TEN1215, by the way, Michael, if you want 50% off at charliehustle.com. I haven't, do you want, you, I've won more. You want time for one more? No, no, no. One a week. Oh. One a week. We've gone, we've gone long. No, one a week. One a week. Okay. Is that we've the one long. though that you said that you no. said? No, there's so, really only oh, one that's going to work for this week. So we should do that All one. All right, dig that out. Dig that out. Charlie Hustle, be... by the way, charliehustle.com. <laughs> I got to find which one is that. All right, here we go, Trace. Here we go. Super Bowl Sunday is coming up. Here's the question. Yeah. What is more annoying at a Super Bowl party? The person who thinks they know it all about football or the person who knows absolutely nothing about football. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's good. That's good. I think the person that doesn't know anything. See, I disagree. The person who knows it all, like that, the person who knows nothing and is like, is that a first down? Why are they running? Like, I'd rather talk to that person than the guy who like thinks, you know, oh, they're going to run a waggle here. Like that guy can leave the party. <laughs> the person who like just is, is just ambivalent to football and just needs some, some coaching. I'm with you. The person who's like, you know, there's always that guy at the party though, Trace, that like, you're obligated to say a couple things like might as well call a timeout. Can't take him with you. Like there's always that guy, right? That guy can leave. That the sounds party. like the person, Mike. Well, I'm not saying it does. <laughs> the, the person who doesn't know football. Yeah. I don't know. Andrew says it's him. I don't really know. I no doubt comment, that. Though, Andrew. Andrew. I doubt no, that. Andrew. No, no, comment. no, no. What? No. Oh, Mike's got a good no. point. <laughs> person that's going there for the commercials. That's going to be a lot of people on uh, Sunday. Don't watch a Tony Romo. I would not want to watch a Tony Romo. I think I, he's my quarterback, but he's getting up there in the punchable face list for me. They changed what he was doing when he was predicting the plays was when he was at his best. I don't oh, know. He why stopped they, they learning football, Trace. And when you walk off the field into the booth, yeah, you know the plays. Six years later, when all you've done is play golf and wear sketchers, yeah, you don't know what the hell they're doing anymore. Do some research, Tony. Jesus. Clip that. That's part of the next promo right there. <laughs> Right there. That's fine. That and your oh hell no or oh hell yeah, as uh, as Chet called it. Yes. I don't know what this I said. one. Know. This one has to be on there. Uh, well, a big welcome, anger to issues, Robert. Why would you say that? <laughs> a big welcome to Christy Saintville, who pulled off that live shot from the Plex Knights, leading four one with time running out in that one out at the Plex. And then, of course, our friends at Tortilla and Takes for being with us, Jeremy, and uh, Ben for sporting the bow tie. I want to see Ben all dressed up again next week. Knights on the road to Texas Tech and BYU. For Adam, I'm Trace. Go Knights! Charge on! This is Ladarius Tennyson, DB from Rockland, Florida. Thank you for watching Signs of UCF. Oh, strong yes. delivery. Kudos to, uh, you know, Andrew for asking. Yeah, Andrew uh, did a great job. Uh, great, uh, great job. I know he's under the weather, too. He still made it out there, too. So much appreciation to Andrew, Christy, everybody out there. Check that all out on Sons of uh, UCF YouTube. Home run UCF softball, 5-1. There you go. Deep. Sports Social Podcast Network.